It's the second Sunday in Easter, and it's one of my favorite gospel stories, Doubting Thomas. But why do we pick on Thomas? All the other disciples doubted. Seriously, read the resurrection narratives in all the gospels. All of the disciples, Peter, John, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, all of them, with the exception of maybe the women who went to the tomb, of course, they all doubted. According to the Gospel of Mark, they were troubled and afraid, that is, until they saw Jesus, and after they realized that he was not a ghost. So why do we pick on Thomas, who needed to see in order to believe? All of the disciples needed to see in order to believe. And it's because of those women and those guys, Thomas included, that you and I can believe without having seen. Because they are our eyewitnesses. That's our proof. It's not blind faith. These are valid, trustworthy eyewitnesses to the resurrection. Thomas believed that Jesus was alive because he saw and touched him. The disciples saw and believed so that you and I can believe without seeing. So that, like Thomas, you and I can also say, my Lord and my God. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I am Billy Chan. And Billy Chan is back. Are you still He's a little I, sick. I'm still sick. The still cough sick. never ends. But being sick gives you a good radio voice. Really? I don't know. I don't feel like I have a good radio voice. You have. Actually, I'm, you're a little I'm sick, sick, too. I'm sick, yeah. too. No, yeah, your, your voice is, is deeper. You have more resonance because oh, yeah. all your sinuses are, are resonating. So it's better. So you have a better radio <laughs> voice. Um, so happy Easter. We happy we missed you. We missed you uh, last week, Billy. We had a great too. program last week. Yes. Um, good, uh, fun Easter program. If you haven't heard it, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org uh, slash radio, and, and you can listen to our show, our Easter show, and in fact, all our shows there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to start out because it's, it's the Easter season, and we should uh, do a little shout out to all our partner radio stations, the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129, the Spirit Catholic Radio Network, Holy Family Radio, the Lamb Radio Network, the Barraga Radio Network, and KHRM Catholic Radio in Anchorage, if you're listening to us on any of those radio stations. Hello, happy Easter, and thank you for listening. And a reminder, of course, that some of you might be listening to the podcast off iTunes. And so uh, that's also a, a, a possibility for people. Just log in. Um, and give us a nice review if you're listening. And to, stars. And star, lots of stars and, and a nice <laughs> review so that it, it moves us up in the ranking um, on iTunes. Now, guys, we got, we got mail last week. What? Yeah, so, or, really or, so two weeks ago we had a conversation with Father Mike Schmitz about, yeah. about his book, Made for Love. Uh-huh. Um, and we received an email from Joanne Carcos. Okay. And it's very, I'm just going to read it straight out. You can tell me what you think. Um, she said, will you be explaining why all the U.S. bishop schools are now LGBT friendly? Um, I- I'm assuming that she's oh. probably not happy about this. Uh, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. First of all, I don't, uh, Joanna, I'm so, I, I don't know exactly what you mean by LGBT friendly. And I also don't even know what you mean by bishop schools. Mm. Presumably she means par- parochial schools, parish schools, diocese Yeah, well, I don't schools. know what the situation is, is in, this, in the school? U.S. Yeah, well, there are Catholic schools in the United States. There mm-hmm. we go. Our listeners in the United States, uh, which is most of our listeners, you, you can write to us and, and tell us, explain this. Uh, every bishop can do whatever 
he wants in his diocese. Mm-hmm. So I doubt that the conference of U.S. bishops has made a, a, a blatant, you know, like statement. Uh, but I don't know what LGBT friendly means. Does that mean that we need to, as the catechism of the Catholic Church says, that people who have same-sex attractions should be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. (laughs) I'm I'm reading the catechism Mm -hmm. here, number 2358. (laughs) Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. And then, of course, it adds, these these persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross the difficulties that they may encounter. Yeah, I guess I'd like to understand what it is that she means by by friendly, you know. When like, I when I study in um, the youth ministry certificate, uh-huh. um, they always ask, you know, parish to be youth friendly. Uh-huh. Okay, youth okay. friendly. Yeah, so yeah. What is that? You, that that basically means you welcome that mean, youth. That means sing lots of songs <laughs> and give them pizza. <laughs> you wel- no, you wel- <laughs> welcome youth and uh, uh right, you know, to be yeah, welcoming. Yeah, and you have a lot of snack during the youth, <laughs> yes, yes. youth uh, meetings yes. and uh, you let youth going to to be in your pastoral council you know to right. to, yeah, to, to let them important. lead and so you know, basically like creating an, an environment and making for space where for, they feel where welcome. they feel welcome but it's interesting yeah, right. because father mike uh, for those of you who did not listen to the program, so two weeks ago, Father Mike Schmitz, he wrote a book called Made for Love. And we had this wonderful conversation um, that you can listen to on our website um, about how uh, the church needs to figure out how to make that, what I just read from the catechism, uh-huh. how, how to make that sense. What does it mean that we accept with respect, compassion, and sensitivity? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we accept certain behaviors because I think the church is very clear as to um, same-sex attractions or, or, or not attractions. Sorry, it's very clear about the mm-hmm. attractions, but also very clear about the behavior um, and that we was never compromise our beliefs, right? Where, where the church is clear as to the purpose and nature of our sexuality and marriage and and I don't think that by being friendly, we mean that those beliefs are being compromised, mm-hmm. right? But of it's, course. But right. it's difficult because when the church uses language like, you know, the homosexual acts are acts of grave depravity. And I think that we understand what that means objectively, mm-hmm. but that's very hard. You can't just go mm-hmm. around telling people that. I suppose some people do go around telling people that, and then they're just going to leave the church. So Father Mike says that they're not, that they're, they should, they're not just welcome to our church, but they belong in the church, which is the same thing that yeah. you're saying, sure, Billy, yeah. about young people. Yeah. You, you experienced this in the Synod. I mean, that was all about right. young people are not just welcome in the church. Mm. They, belong they belong in the church. They belong there. They actually they have be- a place there, yeah. They belong in your parish council. Mm-hmm. They belong, right? They're, they're not just altar servers. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, Last minute altar servers. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, we need young people to move tables, you know? Um, so anyway, I, I don't know. Um, so Joanne, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I did email uh, you back, so I hope that you received that email, um, and hopefully we can continue this conversation. And if you have not listened to the full interview with Father Mike Schmitz, you should, uh, and you should get that book because it's of all the books that talk about this topic, that is by far, in my, uh, my opinion, anyway. Not that I've read all of them, but I've read a lot of them. Is, is definitely the better one. So it's your collection then? Um, you should, yeah, mm. see my collection. Um, anyway, so, but thank you for writing and it's really easy to, you know, we love when people write. Mm-hmm. It gives us uh, food for thought and, and maybe somebody else is now thinking about 
this or something else, and you should write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. I'm on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. Um, Emily's also on Twitter. Yes, Emmy Callen. And Billy. B. Joe Chen. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, you can also go to our website and click on that handy little tab. That, yeah. that Billy likes so much. That's there are plenty of ways for you to contact us. Send voicemail and you can just yeah. click and record, you know? Yeah. It's just like WhatsApp. You just click and record all these voice notes. It's really easy. Um, so anyway, uh, do, do that. Do that. No, but don't do it if you're driving. If you're listening to the show <laughs> while you're driving, um, don't, don't do that. Wait till you get home. Um, but our, our show today continues as usual. We have news, Emily. Yes, we do. Lots of interesting things happening. Yeah. Well, um, there's something happened in El Salvador during Holy Week uh, right. this week. So uh, we're going to talk about that. Um, a tragic event, uh, to be honest. And um, as well, um, the Pope was apparently misquoted in, in an interview. Really? And again, yeah, I know. Surprise, I'm surprise, surprised. right? I'm not surprised at all. Um, so just, again, that was one of the, I guess, in the last couple of weeks, you uh-huh. know, one of the big things that came out. Everyone seemed to be talking about it. And... Um, Pope Francis is not coming to Canada and has, you know, as the bishops are saying, that he won't be personally apologizing to Indigenous peoples in Canada. That's another good conversation. conversation. So, of course, we won't be able to go into too many details about each of these uh, news items, but... um, yeah, but stay but, tuned but for least, more. Yeah, th- so that's coming up very, very soon after our song. And then after that, we have a question Yes, for dummies. The question is about Easter. About Easter. And about Jesus. And about, okay, yeah. good. That's very uh, okay. specific. Yes. Okay, go stick <laughs> around if you want to know the question about Easter and Easter. That's with uh, mm-hmm. Billy in Church for Dummies in about 10 minutes. Um, okay, now, guys, so um, dating. Dating? Today we're going to talk about dating. Oh, oh, great. Dating. So what was your experiences with dating? Did you guys, are you like the new millennial group that don't date? Or, no, I think. Or are I you like old school? You mm. You to be honest, I love to date. <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you married, Billy? You're married yes, now, yes, Billy. yes. But I mean, you know, I like the feeling, you know, of mm. dating. So interesting. Know, I love to be. Uh, I, I want to love people, and I also want people to love me as well, right? You know, that's why he wants you dating to write to Dating creates him. anxiety so, for me. Really? Oh, really? Yes, it does. We need to talk. Let's <laughs> let's go for a coffee. <laughs> I actually don't like mm. the experience of. Okay, but you guys dating. aren't like texting, like breaking up with people by sending them a text message. No. No. Okay. So, have you heard of this new movie called The Dating Project? No. no. Okay. Well, you stick around, <laughs> and you're going to hear about the dating project. So, this is a, a, a wonderful, wonderful documentary that follows a, a professor from Boston College that teaches a class that's the dating class and she gives this assignment to her students that they actually have to date. So teach them how to date? Yes, because they don't know how to date. Oh, Emily. Because young people don't know how to date. I think that's your cause. Okay. So (laughs) Megan Harrington is the producer of this uh, film, The Dating Project, and she's going to be speaking with us in our second half hour. Very, very excited about this this film and about talking to Megan. So stick around. That's in in our second half hour in about 25 minutes. And then at the end of the program, we're going to be reconnecting with uh, singer-songwriter Luke Spihar, um, who's wonderful. We had Luke in the program about uh, three or four years ago, and he has a new album. In fact, a lot of things have happened since since that album, but his new album is titled The Pilgrim, and I really, really like her stu- his stuff. So let's start with a song from that album. Here is uh, Luke Spihar with The Farmer from his new album, The Pilgrim. When the man heard the words, he went 
Never to look back again Placed his hands on the plow and worked Deep furrows in the ground And though his hands began to bleed As he plowed and planted seeds He would not look for rest He would only say That this is the plow that I've been given This is my horse and this is my land The deepest desire of my heart And the work meant for my hands Someday the rain will fall These seeds will grow And the harvest will come So I will rise before the dawn They'll give me rest when the day is done Give me rest when the day is done Distance the boy looked on Learning more than he knew He listened close as the teacher taught And just like the seeds he grew All day he worked and fought the urge to quit, the urge to stop For he could not forget When he heard the man say That this is the plow that I've been given This is my horse and this is my land Deepest desire of my heart And the work meant for my hands Someday the rain will fall These seeds will grow And the harvest will come So I will rise before the dark They'll give me rest when the day is done We just heard Luke Spihar with The Farmer from his new album, The Pilgrim. And we're going to be speaking with Luke Spihar in our second half hour. And in about five minutes, Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. But first, 
Emily's still here with our news. Yes. So I was saying that during Holy Week, actually on Holy Thursday, um, a Salvadorian priest uh, was assassinated. Um, he was 36 years old, Father Walter Vasquez. Uh-huh. Um, he was traveling with other parishioners um, in order to officiate the Holy Thursday Mass when a, an armed group approached their car um, and abducted Father Vasquez, shot him and left him to die. Uh, the others were, were let go. They did take the belongings that were in the, in the vehicle. Um, but uh, Archbishop Jose Luis Escobar Alas, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm mispronouncing this. Yes, he's the um, Archbishop of San yeah, Salvador. But he's, so now he's asking for an investigation of this killing, and he says um, he was shocked and very worried about this and uh, calling it a sacrilege. So um, this this happened after Father Vasquez had been threatened multiple times. He had changed his phone number as well. Um, and so nothing more has come out of this, but we can obviously uh, pray for, for Father Vasquez and the Archbishop and the Diocese um, in El Salvador uh, for, for hopefully answers to, to what happened. And, um, and apparently the country is, is known as one of the most dangerous countries yes, for gang violence yes. in Central America, um, which is not a country at war. No, so, no, it's gang violence. Gang I know. violence yeah, is, um, uh, is big. S- very sad. I was just in, a, mm-hmm. as you know, in, in Salvador. Of course, yeah. And uh, and uh, yeah, it's very sad because there's a there's a big history of of murdered priests. Yeah. So um, so that's one sad piece of news. Sorry to be starting it off like that. Um, Okay, so hell. Um, Pope Francis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pope Francis apparently was quoted as having said during a conversation with an Italian journalist who's who's spoken to Pope Francis on multiple occasions. His name is uh, Eugenio Scalfari. Uh-huh. Um, had a conversation with Pope Francis, wrote an article, and apparently said that Pope Francis uh, did rejected the existence of hell or denied the existence of hell. So um, this, you know, exploded on social media. Uh, a lot of people were saying, how, how can this be? Is the Pope's, you know, changing the doctrine of the church on the existence of hell? Um, the Vatican released um, a statement and, um, you know, saying that what had happened is that it was a misconstruction or a reconstruction of some, maybe something Pope Francis had actually said because this journalist right. is known to not take notes or to okay. record anything in the n- interview. So to not take, you know, for cash, is that the expression? I don't know. Not in English, I don't <laughs> think. English. Maybe in French. I don't know. Um, not take for, if, uh, yeah, yes, they, they, I know what you mean. Okay. Yes. What, uh, what was quoted in this in this yes, newspaper? Yes. Um, so yeah. So the takeaway of this. So we don't know what the Pope actually said. We don't actually know what he said exactly. And maybe and, he and, didn't say anything. Maybe this guy just made it up. Exactly. Okay. I mean, we don't know. We no. don't know. And 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 we do know though that Pope Francis has on multiple occasions referred to hell or to the devil in yes. his speeches. Yes. You know. So and he's got he's found multiple words for for that to to express that. So uh-huh. um so yeah, it is surprising that the Pope would would say would deny the existence of hell. Yes. Um. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so so there we go. There is a hell, just in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Th- again, nothing has changed. It was just a yes. mis- misquotation. Yes. Um, 
Okay. Now, in Canada, the CCCB, um, yeah, so or I should say the conference. president, the Conference okay. of Catholic Bishops in Canada, yeah. um, the president of this uh, of the bishops in Canada, Lionel uh, yeah. Gendron, released a statement saying that Pope Francis is not, for the moment, coming to Canada to apologize personally for right. the um, residential schools in Canada. Now, uh, the Commission for Truth and Reconciliation, once they released their um, their final report back in 2015, um, had also published um, like a call, call to action. There were 94 points or calls to action. Yeah. And one of those was to request or demand a formal apology by the, by the Pope on behalf of the Catholic Church um, to the residential schools. And this was something that they put a lot of emphasis on. So now that this is is not or seems to not be happening, um, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was very disappointed. Uh, there are some uh, members of the Indigenous uh, community, community that is, um, you know, angry at this and, and still wanting the... Um, the prime minister and the CCCB to really push for the Pope to right. come. So um, Father Thomas Rosica, our CEO, um, has been interviewed on CBC as well as we did also an interview with him on Salt and Light. And so if you would like to have more information as to why this happened, well, you can always uh, visit our website and check out that interview to understand more. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I, I understand why people could be uh, confused as to why um, the church in good fashion kind of makes a statement and then they don't explain why. Um, yeah. And then it's confusing whether did the Pope say that he can't apologize or that he can't come to Canada right. and apologize. Because exactly. he could apologize from Rome. But I, but it's more complicated than that. It's so more I'm just complicated. Leave it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there's it. a lot of things. Yeah, there's that a lot of things. So, so go to yeah. our website, try to look for that. And, and I'm sure that there's going to be more information coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Pope will come to Canada at some point point this pope or the next pope so we will uh uh keep inviting him yes um, okay, anyway thank you emily for that uh emily callan our news correspondent here on the salt and light hour you can follow her ask her all the questions you want at emmy callan hi everyone this is danielle noonan and you are listening to the salt and light hour with deacon pedro I'm Deacon Pedro. You can stay in touch with what's happening on this show by following me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan. Billy has a question about Easter and Jesus and Jesus. That's <laughs> yeah, good. That's... It's good. And Emily is is here to to help yes. me out because it's a hard question. <laughs> oh, finally! It's a it's it's a good. You know why I I like this question. And everybody's like, what is the question? Because because it's a question where we actually don't know the answer. But, but it's a good conversation piece. So, okay, great. There you go. What's so, the question? The question is, you know, uh, when, you know, in Palm Sunday, you know, we read a lot of like, um, the, the readings are very long and uh, <laughs> always long in Palm Sunday. So Especially when they sing them in Rome. <laughs> oh, yeah? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, when, when I heard about, you know, when Jesus on the cross and he said this. Yes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. You know, it actually made me think about, does Jesus really want to die? Yeah. If Jesus doesn't want to die, and does it mean he's not God? Because he doesn't know the ultimate, you know, the ultimate goal now, you know, is, is really good. Right. So, um, I, I have, my question is, does Jesus really want to die? 
he knows what happened later on, or he doesn't know. I don't all. know why I decided to stick around for this one. This no, is but you know what? This is. I think the the real question mm-hmm. you're asking yes. has to do with how, and we can't. This is why there's no answer because we cannot understand what it means that Jesus Christ is a hundred percent human mm-hmm. and a hundred percent divine. Yes, fully human and fully divine. We don't understand that because we're, we're so so. We think that if he's fully divine, a hundred percent divine, then that he wouldn't be feeling human things. Yeah, but he is a hundred percent human. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that he doesn't have all these, you know, divine attributes? And we think that having divine attributes means that he's like a superhuman. Um, <laughs> So it's not exactly that, right? So, but you know, you can also say that, see that, you know, the day before he crucified, he he um, he was in the, the garden. He was in the garden, right? and he was yeah. so scared. Of course, he was scared. And, if yeah. you knew that you were going to be crucified, <laughs> and knowing how horrible crucifixion is, yes, or I was, think everyone knows at that time, right? They, everybody would have known. Okay, would you have been scared? Of course. Would you have wanted to No, I would escape. You know, I'm not even (laughs) scared. I would just run. Right. Okay. You know, get a taxi, Uber. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Call Uber and escape. But, (laughs) right. So, so of course, he was scared. Okay. Does that mean that That makes sense. Can you be, can you want to do something that you don't want to do and be scared? Can you want to do something and still be scared about doing it? Yes. Oh, I think so. Oh, that's a good, good. That's a good one. Right. So, so, and this is totally not a good analogy, but you know, a, a woman giving birth, <laughs> she knows it's going to be painful. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, she knows it's going to be suffering. Mm-hmm. It, for some women, it's very painful. I mean, probably for all women, it's very painful. But for some <laughs> women, it's. I mean, it's, it's like <clears throat> days. Okay. Do they know that it's going to be a good outcome? Uh-huh. Right. So it's possible that you can go into something. Also, that you don't have much choice. So basically, that basically means you know you you said Jesus knows the the the, the ultimate goal. I think Jesus you will knew be the really goal. good. You will be uh, uh, a victory. Yes. I then think so. that's why even he is so scared, he still goes for it. I think so. Um, I think it's possible. I don't know. This is why I love this question. I think it's mm-hmm. possible that at some human level, Jesus may not have completely known. Mm. I, I was just going to say that I think I think maybe he didn't fully know what was going to come afterwards. Yeah, it's possible. I, I don't know. know. I don't know. Maybe some people are like ah, heresy. I, I I don't know. I think that I love that idea because <clears throat> that's what we're called to do. God so often says, "I need you to do this," mm-hmm. and you ask for confirmation. You ask for okay, God, if you really <laughs> want me to take this job, give me a sign, and then there's no sign. Uh huh. There's no nothing. You you feel like praying Psalm 22, my Lord, my Lord, why have you uh, uh-huh. forsaken me? And that somehow is the way God, that's the way God is in my life. I think that's the way God is in a lot of our lives. Mm-hmm. So why would he not have been the same way with Jesus? I want you to do this. You need to do this. This is necessary. Um, we're told in scripture that it was necessary for Christ to die. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean that God wanted Jesus to die a horrible death? That's another question. That though. is another I mean, question. That's another question. I don't know if we can cover that. You know, well, like well, we don't, I, I don't. Like I, you know, I can tell you that as yeah. a father, okay. God did not want his son to suffer. Because what <clears throat> father wants his son to suffer? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that it wasn't necessary, right? Well, because it was for Jesus, like he was experiencing. Um, 
separation from God. Yes. Basically, the effect of sin on humanity. Yes. And so it was almost like it was necessary in a way for him to experience that. Right. Um, to redeem that experience for I, I mean mm. I don't know I'm not I'm not a theologian I think the sacri- but, no you know, I, think I think the sacrifice was necessary yeah somehow that the sacrifice was necessary and it was necessary that God himself needed to sacrifice himself because who else would be the an adequate sacrifice mm-hmm. um, so I mean that's like really deep um, but it actually mm-hmm. is not because in the Lion Witch and the Wardrobe that, that's exactly what happens with Aslan. Right. Aslan sacrifices himself because he's the only one that can be sacrificed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he takes Edmund's place. Mm. Yes. So that nobody else Has needs to, to be sacrificed yeah. ever again. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so. And so, yeah. And I think and the cross at the time was like one of the worst possible kinds yeah. of death. Yeah. I mean, had it happened a hundred years later or or, you know, or even more than that, it would have right. been a different way potentially right like that was the worst possible way that you could imagine someone dying and so it was like that's why it was like the ultimate yeah and i also think that that it's not so much that that christ had to die but christ had to be obedient Mm -hmm. like there's Ah. something about the obedience that Mm -hmm. redeems us um and and we're told saint paul says that he was obedient to to death it's just that in the circumstances Mm -hmm. obedience meant you have to go through with this particular task, which mm-hmm. is dying. But it's the obedience that somehow saves us, the redemption, that Christ was was obedient. So basically, you know, the answer will be, you know, today, our conclusion will be, our conclusion. Um, Jesus doesn't want to die. I don't think so. And But he knows that he's something good out of it. Absolutely. So, and he wants to obey. Absolutely. Uh, uh, give us a good model to obey what, God wanted, God said. Yes. So that's why he allowed himself to take yes. this task. Yes. And I think that, that it's possible that he would have experienced that sense of being abandoned by God mm. because that's uh, something that happens to a lot of us. But we want to hear what you guys think listening yeah. to us. So you can uh, it, go on Twitter at B. Joe Chan. Let Billy know what you think. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. We'll, if you have an answer. If you have an answer, <laughs> tell us and we'll read it here on the air. If you have more questions, we'll also of course. try to figure it out. Thank you. Thank B- you. Billy Chan, our uh, Church for Dummies uh, expert. He's also our web guru here at Salt and Light Media. You can follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, The Dating Project, and we reconnect with Luke Spihar. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Did you know that 50% of people in the United States are single? And according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, fewer people are committing to marriage. It's common for all these young singles uh, that they find it hard to meet, to date, and marry today. In fact, dating has been replaced by the term, I guess you've heard of it, hooking up and hanging out, you know, making uh, what we would have called in the old days courtship or dating obsolete. This is the focus of a new documentary, The Dating Project, produced by Paulus Productions, Empower Pictures, and Family Theatre Productions. 
And to tell us more, we're now joined by the writer and producer of The Dating Project, Megan Harrington. Megan, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, it's a fascinating um, uh, topic. I love it because I'm old school. Um, we're not, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say that you're not because I don't know uh, where you fall in this. <laughs> but, you know, millennials, I, I don't know. My son is in that that. Uh, uh, population, but uh, before we start uh, understanding a little bit more about the the film, tell me about Carrie Cronin's class at Boston College because that's where it all begins, right? Well, actually, we we didn't have Carrie when we very first started. Okay. The pitch for the idea of the documentary, we okay. did discover her fairly early on, but she really became the through line. And when we were at Boston College filming. Uh-huh. To see her um, in the class, so around around Valentine's Day, February, or, or maybe even March um, ish, right, is this dating assignment she gives it in class. Her whole semester is not you know, solely dedicated to this the topic of dating. She's a philosophy professor. She teaches uh, you know all sorts of topics to her students. Um, okay, but so this one is one component of of what she. Um, tries to help her students navigate, which is relationships. And she does that in such a, a wonderful way. Interesting. As a, as a full person. So she's... Says, I need to be able to address that. So just to clarify, so she's not at the dating class, um, but, but, but she does give a dating assignment to her students that they have to go and date somebody? <laughs> yes. So what she does is called the dating assignment. Uh-huh. She... She gives the students the instructions in class, which was really funny because she says, you know, dates when it's two people and everybody's writing things down. You have to ask in person, right. 90 minutes or less, no drugs and alcohol, uh, have three questions, $10 or less, you ask. Oh, okay. love it. She kind of breaks it down. And what's really nice about that is they have some structure. They have a way to approach dating. They don't have to worry about some of the things that are often associated with a date, which may be, okay, well, what happens at the end of this, or what right. do I do, or what do I say? So, she provides them with a script. So had she found that the reason why she had to give this assignment, or she wanted to give this assignment, is because young people are not dating? That is what she found. About 12, 13 years ago, she was talking to a group of seniors, and she said, okay, so, you know, is everybody going to be breaking up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, and you know, what's your plan after college? And a lot of them said, well, we haven't even dated anybody. Huh. And then she started hearing about the hookup culture. Right. And she started to just put some, some math there and said, this isn't adding up. So right. she said, I'm going to encourage them to go on a date. See, I find this fascinating, but I'm not quite sure why uh, we would say that it's a problem. Why is it a problem that young people aren't dating? Well, I think the if, if there isn't and I'd say also healthy dating, yeah, is right. it's affecting marriage and family. There's uh-huh. an inability to commit. Um, there is this idea, too, sometimes with technology, which isn't bad per se, but this idea that something better is out there. There's right. so much choice that there's a sometimes an inability to make a decision because uh-huh. would something have been a little bit better? I think if we don't learn how to date again. If we don't kind of embrace, I hope, what Professor Cronin is trying to do at Boston and other universities, if we could embrace that as a society, um, I think it would result in much healthier relationships, a a much more self-esteem, less loneliness, 
there's all sorts of things I think that could be a result of embracing this idea of what she calls, I guess, a traditional date. When, when you were making the document, I, I know you spoke to young people in making the documentary. Um, what what are some reasons young people are giving for not dating? There's the, I think there's the the fear of rejection. Uh-huh. Um, it, it takes a lot of courage to to put yourself out there. Yeah, and you know that it's just easier to to hook up in some cases than it is to really put yourself out there in a real way. Uh-huh. Um, I think people want to date though, oh, especially yeah? what we saw in call, uh, at Boston College. Yeah, the the difference in the way in which they felt after it. Just asking someone. They hadn't, they hadn't, this one kid hadn't even gone on a date. Uh-huh. He had actually just asked a girl, and the feeling and the way that he was literally glowing. Um, really? That it's, that it's better than any feeling you could have hooking up. Uh, it's, it's one of those things I think people are hungry for. You just don't want to feel like the odd man out. Right. What was one of the more surprising uh, things that you learned from making the documentary? That that question does come up a lot. I think, um, you know, un- unfortunately, in the Christian world, I would like to say that we do this area in a better way, that we shine a light in uh-huh. this area of how we're supposed to treat each other in relationship, um, you know, what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God and how that, how we, how we treat others knowing that. Mm-hmm. We, and unfortunately, it's, uh, for the most part, what we experienced is not not much different in in the way the world does it and the way that the Christian world does it. That right. was and, and that and the oversexualization of of the culture uh, is really causing a lot of issues and problems and paralyzation of like oh I I, I you know the people doing things they they probably don't want to do but hey this is just how it goes. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, obviously, you want people to go watch the documentary, but why do you think it's important that people need to watch this documentary? You know, I, I and it, being involved with it, it, it's certainly going to sound biased, but I think people need to see this because we need to, as a as a society, as a as individuals, mm-hmm. we need to say, what do I really want in a relationship? Right. Uh, what have I been settling for? What have I been buying? What what goods have I been buying that that really aren't turning out to be truths? I'm not happier. I'm more lonely. Um, I don't feel better. Uh, I, I want people to see it so that they can start a conversation about things that are important. Mm-hmm. And relationships are probably the most important thing that we could be discussing right now. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess what you said earlier, too, that you know, if we date better, that means we have, I mean, courtship better and better marriages. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So the film is there's one screening, sorry, one air one date of screening April 17th, uh 2018, right. April 17th in the United States. Um so people need to go and see it on that day. It's probably playing in a theater near you somewhere, right? That's right. April 17th, theaters nationwide, the US, yes. over 600 different theaters. Uh it, you can find out more at www.thedatingprojectmovie.com, and uh-huh. you just enter your zip code or your city, and it'll uh, pop up where the closest theater is. It's a it's a movie for every single person, and that's a play on words. Yes, but if you're in a if you're in a relationship, you know chances are you know someone who needs to see it. 
That's great. And I would say that even if you're not single, you should go see it anyway. Um, (laughs) Because we need to... Amen. Well, yeah, we need to support these projects. So the Dating Project, uh, it's coming to cinemas nationwide in the United States on April 17th. Go to the website, thedatingprojectmovie.com. If you can't remember that, just type in The Dating Project. You'll you'll find the, the, the link. Um, and as uh, Megan said, type in your zip code and it'll tell you the nearest theater. And I guarantee it's playing in a theater near you. Megan, thank you so much. I'm very excited about this documentary. Uh, very passionate oh, about the topic. Um, so the dating project, maybe the next one will be the marriage project. Absolutely. There, well, you know what? There, there's, there's things in the works. That's a, good, that's, oh, good. That's a great train of thought. <laughs> oh, excellent. So um, that's a good excuse to get you back on the program. Thank you very much, I Megan. I love that. Yes, that thank would be great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing, for making the film and for sharing uh, a little bit of, about it with us today. Oh, I appreciate being on the show. Megan Harrington is the writer and producer of The Dating Project, a new documentary that was made by Paulus Productions, Empower Pictures, and Family Theatre Productions. As I said earlier, to find out more about it and to find a theater near you that's showing the film on April 17th, go to thedatingprojectmovie.com. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Luke Spihar, with The Pilgrim from his new album of the same name. Not knowing how I got to where I started I dared to step foot upon the way And though a few words have come to mind I learned more than I could ever say Proud man's mind and a young man's legs. I said, Let's walk from the dawn till the setting sun. Suspiciously ambitious was this desire in me, for this road was not meant to just get done. Give me food for today's journey Just enough will be just fine And slowly I will keep on walking By your way and in your time With more than I needed Not measured only in pounds The things I carry to comfort my weariness Were the same things that were weighing me down Some days the sun was only shining Days the rain just fell
Some days I knew just where I was going Some days it was just so hard to tell Give me food for today's journey Just enough will be just fine And slowly I will keep on walking By your way and in your time That was Luke Spihar with the title track of his new album, The Pilgrim. A few years ago, I learned about Luke Spihar and immediately loved his music. If you think he sounds maybe a little bit like Ben Harper, that's because Luke had the chance to tour with Ben Harper and then Ben Harper produced Luke's third album, All His Gift. That was in 2014 when Luke was first on our program. And now, following a successful crowdfunding campaign, Luke Spihar has a new album, The Pilgrim. And in fact, I should say that I, I love the fact that it's not Ben Harper anymore. I mean, it's it's I love the sound. So I'm very happy to welcome Luke Spihar back on the Salt and Light Hour. Luke, welcome back. Thanks so much, Deacon Pedro. So good to be back. Yeah, I know. And I, I don't know, maybe you, you actually are, are tired of people making the Ben Harper connection. Um, oh, you know, <laughs> I, you know, it was such an honor to work with him, and I, yes. I'm always grateful uh, when people remember that. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know, I love Ben Harper's music, so maybe some people don't, but I, I mean, I love, and I do love the fact that you, you, you've, you, it's sounding there. There is a different sound to this album. It's still very folky and indie, but what would you say for you is different about this album? Uh, well, you know, in regards to the production of the album, it's it really stretched me um, to new places, which is exciting. It was exciting to kind of go there. Yeah. Um, kind of bringing a fuller sound yeah. into my sound is, mm-hmm. again, a kind of a new adventure for me. So I, I was able to kind of experiment and, again, stretch myself with incorporating different instruments that I'd, I'd yeah. never really tried on um, on any tracks. And, yeah. And then... Um, yeah, just working with the, the the folks locally here in the Twin Cities and really spending the time to really flush out the song um, even before we recorded it was was um, kind of a new process for me. Yeah, it's got a very, and I don't mean this like in a bad way, I mean it in a good way, it's got a very kind of small town, small American yeah. town feel. Um, yeah. W- was that your idea from the beginning or did it kind of start taking shape because you were working locally yeah, probably a little bit of both. You know, I think every song calls for something a little different. And, yeah. and I think these particular songs, um, to overproduce them would have caused harm, you know, in some yeah. way. So I think I think that, um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm always, I always love the feel of, of um, kind of real instruments in the room. And yes. um, yeah, just kind of letting the players uh, play what they feel should be on the album. And so... Yeah, I I um I think what we hear now is just kind of the product of just kind of letting the process play out. Mm-hmm. Has has your songwriting style changed? I mean, you wrote your first, or you were recording your first album when you were in high school, I think, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's right. And a lot has happened since even you and I spoke last time. I mean, you yeah. you you got married, you have kids. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> so a lot, of, yeah. a lot, a lot has yeah. changed. Um, has <laughs> right. has your songwriting, like your or your focus, changed? At yeah. All? You know, I think that I think everything is maturing. You know, like yeah. um, I think that having, um, again, kind of entering in the adventure of being married, um, then the blessing of children. Um, and just life kind of develops and matures and changes. And I think that this, this album is kind of a reflection of that. So, yeah, I would say that my songwriting um, style is, is growing and developing, evolving. And, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I think even just, you know, like you're, you're mentioning, and then even the content to some degree of my lyrics, yeah. you know, it's, you can't go through marriage and have a baby without it affecting Right, you know your art in some way, and and so I, that's kind of a difference perhaps for this album too. Is I have a couple songs in there that I'm singing for my wife, you know, and my right. babies, and so yeah, I I never wrote a love song that I I actually wasn't embarrassed to sing to people right. until I got married. So. That's great, yeah. But it does feel it does feel like a, I mean I don't know if I want to call it a themed album, but it does feel like it's a package. Did you set out to do? Uh, uh, you know, a bunch of songs that were part of a, a, a particular theme, or or were these song, songs that you had been writing throughout, and then you finally got to the point where, hey, you know what? There's an album here. Yeah, I think the latter would be more fitting. I think yeah. that um, these, this was kind of the, you know, and it's each song is a bit of um is kind of the tip of the iceberg. You know, it's like I feel like there's a lot more that may come out of right. each one of the themes of each of the songs. You know, um. But as I looked over um, the songs that had been written over the last few years and, and then more recently, it just seemed like, you know what, it's, it's been such a journey. And, and um, again, kind of this identity of a pilgrim continues in my life. Right. And uh, I just thought, you know, this, these songs feel like they express, at least to begin to express, um, you know, the pilgrimage that I've been on, you know, into marriage, into fatherhood. Right. Um, traveling America and um, so yeah I think that that it kind of organically evolved into a product yeah. that you hear you know kind of a project and a yeah um, and the album that's there I was going to ask you about the title because you think that a lot of people once you know they get married they're settled they've arrived yeah. whereas you still feel that this is part of the pilgrimage part of the journey yeah and that's a great point you know like I think that <clears throat> for a lot of people you know, some of these huge life milestones um, kind of feel like you've landed, you know, you're, you've yeah. reached your destination. But I think a lot of people might relate to the fact that, you know, the journey is certainly not done once you get married, you know, in some no. ways you've just begun. Uh-huh. And um, I wouldn't say it's a false summit, but in some ways that's the way it's, you know, you can kind of cross the threshold or get off the altar after being married. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I guess we're still, you know, this the, the adventure is just starting. And um, yes. I think that's how it's felt for me, you know, after getting married and then as our children have come and it's just the, the adventure of life just kind of keeps evolving and developing. Mm. And, um, so yeah, my journey continues and, um, and the pilgrimage continues, you know, ultimately to our heavenly home. But yeah, my certainly feeling like the journey is only growing and, and in some ways accelerating. Mm -hmm. That's a great, uh, a great message right there. Not that I was going to say I didn't think that it was a, a, a an album about marriage, and it isn't. But the fact right. that we're journeying together, and I've, I've been married for twenty two years, and I feel like we're 
you know, the adventure continues because you never get to your destination, as you said, until we get to heaven. Um, yeah. Uh, so y the album is fresh off the press. You're looking to do some some concerts, uh, hopefully uh, across the country, maybe even in Canada. So mm -hmm. if people are interested in bringing you to their community or their parish or wherever, is should they just contact you on your website? Is that the easiest way? That's the best way. Yeah, just reach out to me through my website, lukespihar.com. Okay. That'll Good. So you'll get to the right people, right. and um, and then they can book you. Yeah, yeah, and that, and I'll be I'll be posting a number of dates that are kind of just being finalized here, so people get a feel for where I'll be traveling in the U.S. in the next. Well, I guess the rest of this year and into next year. Okay. Um. But yeah, we. Whenever I get on the move, I love to to stay as busy as possible. So if people see that I'm coming to your area, I'd love to. Yeah, so that's Let great. So, so the website is Luke Spihar. That's S-P-E-H-A-R, Spihar, LukeSpihar.com. And go to the website. There's a lot of information there. You can listen to some, some of the other music. You can buy the music. Um, and then, of course, you can also book him for whatever you need Luke to do. Preferably, it involves <laughs> singing. Um, Musically, yeah. <laughs> um, although if you, lose, if you listen to the album, you know, maybe he can do some, some planting, some gardening. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, not, not quite yet in Minnesota here. We just got a, a fresh six inches of snow here over the last couple of days. I know, and same here in, uh, in uh, southern Ontario. We're getting, we haven't gotten it yet, but we're being told that at the end of the week we're getting quite the bump. So, and you guys are further north than we are, so there we go. That's what we do. Um, mm. Thank you, Luke, for, for, uh, for doing what you do. Congratulations on the marriage and the children and on the new album, um, uh, looking forward to anything else that comes from you because it's really good stuff. Well, thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. Always a pleasure and honor to be on your show. Once again, you can learn more about Luke Spihar at his website, lukespihar.com. We're going to put that link on our site as well so you can find it easily. If you're in Minnesota, check out his tour dates on the website. And again, as keep checking the website because he's going to be adding more uh dates on as he you know continues uh, being booked for the rest of the year here now to take us out is luke spihar with joshua from his new album the pilgrim when the sun comes up and the road lay before me but instead of hope, I feel the fear of the unknown When my doubts feel as tall as the walls of Jericho I hear your words calling out, you say To be strong and courageous My hands 
We're listening to Luke Spihar with Joshua from his new album, The Pilgrim. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can always reach us via email at radio at saltandlighttv.org. Facebook and Twitter are also good. There's at Salt and Light TV, and I am at Deacon Pedro GM. And I'm at Emmy Callen, and Billy is at Bijo Chan. And then there's voicemail, this voicemail app off our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. It's really easy to use if you want to send us a comment. Um, maybe we'll even get to play your comment on the air. Remember that you can also subscribe to the free Salt and Light Hour podcast off iTunes. And you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or our guests. So please go and support what they do. Yes. Thank you for listening. I'm Emily Callen. And I'm Deacon Pedro. And this has been the, the Salt, Salt and Light, Light Hour. So oh, no.